Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Out the Airlock. I do apologize for the delay. I was hoping to do this earlier in the month, but unfortunately, with a funeral in the family plus vacation, I'm actually recording this in East Brunswick, New Jersey at a day's end, which is connected to a Hooters. Stay classy, East Brunswick. But we're here to talk about a really shitty movie, and not so much the shitty movie, but how would we make it better? Uh, with me is Steven. Uh, Justin, unfortunately, was sick and was not able to join us. But before we go into our ideas for night, uh, our remaking or reimagining of Nightfall, uh, 1988, which was uh, George, uh, George Corman. I think it's time for a nap. Roger Corman movie. Um, we're, I'm going to give a little brief history of the actual novella or novelette or short story, whatever you want to call it, uh, what it was originally based on. And this was uh, written by Isaac Asimov. And uh, Nightfall was originally a short story written between, and this is according to Wikipedia, written between March 17th and April 9th of 1941. And it was sold a little bit later in April. And, but it was published in September of 1941 in an issue of Astounding Science Fiction, a magazine that ran in the 40s under editor John W. Campbell. It was the 32nd story written by Isaac Asimov while he was a student at Columbia University. Uh, Asimov was actually asked to write this story while after discussing with him a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. And this quote is, is actually mentioned at the beginning of the novella, at least in the audiobook version. I don't remember if it's in the actual novella. While I have read it, the novella. I just don't remember that particular part. And as I doing this tonight, I did re-listen to an audio book version of Nightfall to get it fresh in my head. So that's why I know the quote is at the beginning of the novella. If the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men believe and adore and preserve for many generations the remembrance of the city of God? And that is the quote. Uh, the very basic, 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 basic plot of this, without giving too much away, is on the planet of Lagash is constantly illuminated by six suns in its solar system. Uh, while there are areas of darkness on the planet, of course, you know, caves and whatnot. Uh, but this planet has never had a sunset, had, nor, like the title suggests, a nightfall. Uh, the people of Lagash believe that once the sun disappears from the sky, and the mysterious stars appear, the people will go mad and destroy the world. This is the basic plot. And this story takes place at Sorrow City's university in an observatory where they're using, looking at the, the, the I'm going to say setting suns. So one of the suns you find out is being eclipsed. And that is the sun of Beta. And it's the last of the six suns to go dark. Um, well, that's pretty much the basic plot. It follows several main characters, and these characters are Aton 77, the director of the university, Dina 25, he's a telephotographer uh, taking pictures of the setting suns. Uh, Theramon 762 is actually, I don't want to say he's like the main character of the story, but he. I, he is kind of like the audience surrogate, even though, at least in my opinion, he's kind of the surrogate. 
because he's the one asking all the questions. And he's a newspaper man covering the sun setting, and he's very skeptical. Now, there's really no overarching main character, but he's the one, and you don't, and it's not written in a first person perspective, but I would say he's the audience surrogate because he's the one trying to fig- find out what's going on, so to speak, um, and what it means for the people of Lagash. Uh, there's Sharon 501. He's a psychologist who was supposed to be in the, the hideout for the people to survive the nightfall. And he actually comes back because he wants to witness the nightfall for himself. And he's, he kind of talks about some of the main themes about the darkness and claustrophobic actions of being in the dark and not seeing light and how the people of Lagash will react. You have Yamat 70 and Pharaoh 24. They are astrologers, astrologers, astronomers at the at the observatory, and they end up running an experiment about seeing who could and couldn't, like if they could adjust to the nightfall and the stars. And you find out more about their their into it if you read the novella. I'm not really going to spoil a lot of the novella, at least try not to, because I really do think it's something you should read, especially if you're a science fiction fan. Uh, Latimer is one of the cultists who's at the observatory and he's caught trying to sabotage or steal the cameras uh, that they're trying to photograph with. And then Soar 5 is mentioned, but he is not seen. He is referred to as his serenity and he is the leader of the cultists because this book does deal with like an aspect that's religious, an aspect that in the book novella uh, that deals with an aspect that's religious and an aspect that is scientific and where kind of parts of the meat and fray, uh, so to speak. Um, and this movie was adapted, or this novella was adapted into a movie that was released in 1988. It was one of the first few that we covered, we covered on Out the Airlock. Uh, due to one of our original members wanting to, wanted to see it, so because I, uh, I, I talked so poorly of this movie, uh, 1988 Nightfall was turned into a low-budget movie produced by Roger Corman, and then he actually released another version of this movie in 2000. Now, in 1990, a full novel of this short story it was expanded and released, and it's co-written by Isaac Isimov, and I believe it's because of the novella, and Robert Silverberg uh, wrote the 1990 novella. So Steve and I both prepared things, how we would improve the movie, and... I, I, I guess I will go first because we were talking before we started, and his his mind's probably not as in depth as his, and it's not because I don't care about um, the movie. I actually really would love to see this done right. I just didn't come up with complex scenery scenes, and he obviously did a lot of really good research. And I actually kind of can't wait to hear what he has to say because I'm sure it's going to be really good. But how would I throw this? How would I improve the film? Let's say, how would I improve the 1998 or the 1988 film? I would just throw it all away because it bears so little resemblance to the source material, aside from a few characters maybe having the names and the fact that they're experiencing nightfall for the first time. I would throw it all away uh, because this the movie was more of like a it looked like more of a sword and sorcery type of world like something you would see in conan or and something like that where they 
they were primitive, but yet ha somehow had some of the technologies that they had. It just didn't really make sense to me anyways. So I would actually make this take place in a contemporary time period as it was written. This was released in 1941. And so I would use a 1941 contemporary time period of an alien world. But keep in mind, these are, although this is an alien planet, these people are very much human in how they act, look, and perceive things. A lot of the technology is that as what we would have on Earth. So having this, this people look and feel like a 1941 somewhat alien contemporary time period of the, of the early mid 20th century, the, especially the early 40s, I don't think is out of the question. I think this is actually the perfect setting for it because they don't have complex computers yet. Um, so they have no way to use computers to, comp to, to crunch the numbers of what's going on and stuff like that. Uh, to me, and, this, and there is like technology. They mention it in this story. There's, there's amusement parks. There's refrigerated trucks. I think they even mentioned a phone. So there is electricity, but the one thing that doesn't seem to be implemented into their society is light lighting, light bulbs. So I would imagine cars with no headlights, maybe maybe like a brake light just for safety, but what need of of headlights would you need? You you don't there's never any not any sun. So you would always be able to see. So I would open this movie about 2 months or so with Aton discovering the darkness approaching, and then I would introduce the audience to Theramon, and I would start building this movie as a film noir type mystery, like what's, what is Nightfall? What, what do the religious aspects of it say? What do the regular people, like I would build on this conspiracy that it's the end of the world. Uh, what is this darkness? What is this book of revelation? Is it real? Does, does it have any basis in science? Does the science have any basis in faith? Which you do find out that Aton did talk to the leader of the cult and confirm stuff, which you would find out later on in the reveal. Um, I would show, but I would show the never seen but mentioned Soar 5. Maybe show his numbers starting to grow because as people get more afraid of the darkness, they start flocking to religion, which is what a lot of people do in these situations where the world or their life seems to be ending because they have nowhere else to turn to. Um, now, I don't have any specific scenes planned out per se, like moment by moment or dialogue, but I do think an expansion of the original source material is very important to this. I think we should show a lot of what is mentioned in the story. I would show the opening of the amusement park, the long lines, I would show the tunnel and people going crazy, a couple people dying, maybe the media overhyping the event. And I think this would help establish the mystery. And it would, it would also show a lot of world building. So you see these people as people in their everyday lives. I would show Faro and Yamat buying their domed house and hiring the workers to do the work, but you don't know yet what they're doing because it's all a buildup into the mystery. I would show where most houses are mostly windows and skylights and build them as a people that never developed the light bulb because they never needed it. But a people that grew dependent so much on light and the natural light of the suns that they have no idea what this darkness is and why it's something that's so scary to them that it's described as 
something claustrophobic and the walls closing in on you. I would show Theramon investigating these reports. He would probably be the main character as he investigates different things around Sorrow City, which is where it takes place, writing his articles and showing his skepticism to the end of the world. And But as he shows his skepticism, he learns more and more and more. And the mystery builds to where he's at with his editor and he gets the the permission to tag along at the observatory to cover the nightfall. Um, I would show, like I said, I would show Sor five bringing in more people as the peoples are afraid. So they turn to faith as opposed to science. And then maybe you have some people so turn towards science. They have a hideout for these people. I would start showing the, maybe the, and I say maybe, but the university gathering the people that go there, the families, some rant, like just regular people as they build this population to carry on, I would show them being collected like, like you would see in like a movie where the government's rounding up people and stuff like that. So then it builds this conspiracy. What is going on? Why are these people being pu pulled? Um, and then all this, you know, being the climax, which is the actual novella. And again, I'm not sure of the 1990 novel i've my my idea is geared more towards developing and i'm probably speaking really fast so this is why it's not taking me so long at all to say what i would like to see in a movie but um i think i think if you throw those things into like a mystery and you would have to streamline i'm i wanted to be a screenwriter so sometimes i do think like a story builder but i know i struggle sometimes with the whole construction process and stuff like that and dialogue of course i mean i i criticized george lucas but i probably couldn't do any better in dialogue than he could um but all this would lead to the climax of showing how the novella ends and i would end this ambiguously i would show what the novella shows i would show the i would show the city starting to burn and the people afraid of what's going to happen next because they don't know because this is a, the last sun stating is an eclipse and it's an eclipse that is only supposed to last for like a day and a half or something like that. I'll be honest with you. I can't remember the timetable. I should have written it down and I wasn't able to when I, when they were talking about it in the novella uh, when I was listening, but the, 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 the sunset, that last sunset is not supposed to last very long. So what happens in that aftermath when the sun starts coming by, because this, they build up of all what would build the mysteries every 2050 years society seems to collapse and have to rebuild itself but somehow the theory of gravitational that the science has in the book of revelation that the cultists have and they are called cultists in this film um are in the book they're called cultists so that's what they would remain that's what they're called and build this mystery to how are these surviving these two things surviving but yet they found layers upon layers of civilizations crumbling as a panic over nightfall of something that lasts maybe a day, day and a half. And I would leave it ambiguous. Like, what happens? Will, it, will this time be different? Will the cycle start again? It's kind of like the end of the, the first season of Big O where, like, they defeat everything, and but everything seems to start over like a repeat. And so I think, I think something like that would – be probably the perfect ending would be something ambiguous because then you go where do you go from here what do you do 
and what's the fate of these people. It's purposely left open for your interpretation. All right. And that, that's kind of where I would go and, and I would build it that way. Steven, what were some of your ideas? Oh, get buckled in, dude, because it's about to start. All right. All right. So we already know from the way that Nightfall was set up, we've got the planet illuminated by six suns and like no darkness ever hits it unless you're in a cave or a windowless room, you know, that basically is it nobody knows what darkness is unless they've been in those type of areas so everybody has basically an undercurrent of being afraid of the dark uh and basically we have three main characters we have uh atten uh the who's basically the mayor uh soar who's a blind man and then we have right who is an astronomer because uh, I wanted to keep the themes of like science and religion and then having the astronomer be the bridge because astronomers study heavenly bodies. So they're like the connection of science and religion, you know. So basically what happens is we have an introduction to these characters and then. Uh, one of the first things that happens is some space debris uh, goes in front of one of the suns and it basically blots it out for less than 10 minutes. And in that time alone, people start freaking out. And like, so, uh, oh, another thing I forgot to say, it's like, the movie took place, it was like primitive. The uh, story took place in like a future type deal, but this is going to take place in like and like the industrial revolution, basically, where it's like there's some technology, but there's not a lot, and of course, it's like they don't have light bulbs and lamps and stuff because they don't need them because the sun is always around. And then basically this less than 10 minutes of darkness, everybody starts freaking out and Atten sees this and he's like, that's not good. So he goes to this astronomer right hand and he's like, what is going on? And so right hand starts researching it. And meanwhile, there are people who are like looking to the mirror for answers. And there are people who notice this blind man sore, who's basically, he's not afraid of the darkness because he lives in darkness all the time. So like, even though th in the story, there's a full on doomsday cult but in this story, it's going to be like the beginnings of one. And it's not like flat out stated until right hand starts researching. And then he finds out that basically there's a cycle and every like 2000 years or so stuff happens. There's stuff in his research about, uh, 
night, what they call nightfall. Uh, there's research about what happens with this doomsday cult and references to this sea of souls. And it basically is saying that anyone who dies on the planet, when they die, their souls ascend in heaven. And what, uh, so right hand learns about all this stuff and he goes to Adam about it and basically to prepare for nightfall because they have a few months to get ahead of it uh they're creating a network of basically lights that are all throughout the city and that are basically when nightfall happens they'll be protected from the dark because of these lights and Meanwhile, this cult is getting stronger and there are parts of the like members of the cult who are basically gouging out their own eyes to be able to connect to Soar and basically also not be afraid of the dark because they see what's coming. And so we have this these people that are good, like gravitating toward the mayor and the science and helping get these lights all done. And then there's people that are going towards soar for the religious portion of it. And basically as it gets down to the wire and all these lights are being installed and everything, uh, it turns out that Basically, there are portions of this doomsday cult who, in order to make sure that the people who are all about the science uh, are no longer afraid of the dark, basically, they go to take out the main power station that powers all of the lights. And Right Hand finds out that it's about to happen. And basically, he starts trying to get to the power station to stop them from destroying it. And basically, he gets there just in time for the to explode and lights go out. In It's full-on nightfall. The lights would be saving one. Uh, because of these people, the, the power station gets destroyed. All of the lights are gone, and then basically the blast knocks right hand down. And when he looks up, the entire sky is black, but lit up with millions of stars. And then he recalls back to the Sea of Soul from his readings, and he just looks up about how beautiful it is it's left ambiguous whether or not he is still all about the science or he's bought into like the religious aspect of it and, or if it's partly both and I just thought that was a cool thing <laughs> I actually so it looks like you took the idea they kind of did for the movie and you expanded it and made it better. Like if they were going to, I like the industrial rev. I like the industrial revolution because that means there is some electricity, but it's not, again, there's no modern technology to predict or simulate what's coming ahead. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, that's what I wanted it to be. Yeah. I wanted it to be low tech, but enough to where if they did build lights and stuff, it would make sense in the world. Yeah, so having like an early light bulb actually would make sense in that in that series. I'd, that's some, actually something I meant to mention in my recap. Um, I was going to have where there was like kind of Easter egg type things. And I'm sorry, um, you reminded me of it. I was going to say in the newspaper, there should be an article where someone is developing like a light bulb to, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because I find it odd in this novella in that they're so reliant on the light that there's no internal lighting at the university, but they have technology. They talked about, did, have you ever, did you ever read the novella? Uh, yeah, I did. Dude, and that's part of what we were talking about when, uh, uh, like, in the Outlook, ep- at the Outlook episode about the movie, is that that was the one problem that I had with the story, was that it seemed like even though they for so many other things, they never developed it for lights. And I just thought that was yeah, weird. Because I, I think that's weird, too, because I was going to mention that someone creating a light bulb was on the horizon because so they don't have flashlights. They don't have like, I understand there because you have to show this people's dependency on light. And we both talk about that in both our interpretations of this story of how we would expand it. And we both talk about like you, you do it in a little bit more detail than I did, but in the novella and what you said, the claustrophobic and fear, the darkness, that's very real to these people. And that's something that they're afraid of. They're, they're all, this is a, a planet full of people that's afraid of the dark. Like, they're afraid because they've never seen it. Yeah, it's, and, it's fear of the unknown, which is a thing that happens with people all the time. Yeah, and, and this is like an underlying story of the original theme. And... I really don't think the 1988 movie played upon that fear because it seemed to have more of a hopeful, hopeful ending than the novella. The novella is really ambiguous. The city's ablaze, which, I mean, it's a downer. It's a, I say it's ambiguous because we don't know what happens the next day. We don't know what happens. Yeah, like, to the there's no aftermath. It's right. just like, this is what happened. So this is what happens in, in both our stories, which is funny. We both want to end on that ambigu ambiguity where mine's the ending of the original novella and yours is the ambiguity and big, I can't talk. I don't know why ambiguity, yours is yeah. ambiguity of whether or not the, um, the, the, the leader, like does he embrace his reli- the religious side of things or does he still hold on to his science? Because I do think that, science and religion are a big part of the story whether you want to accept that or not and it looks like he took some of the interesting aspects of the movie and combined it with the fear of the unknown that's more present in the novella plus giving it the technology to make it make sense in the world in which they're inhabiting which i don't think the movie did that at all they somehow had these energy crystal things that lit up the caves at the end. Yeah. And it's like, but there's no basis for that. There's no basis for this technology. So, so it just was never in the movie until that point. So until that point. 
they're like, we're going to develop this and they developed it. Whereas if in your story with it being the industrial revolution, this puts it at what the mid 19th century for us, maybe near towards the latter half of the 19th century and where they're developing these technologies. And then, so the, the sustainable light would be something that's very much in that time frame, Whereas so also basic communication with like telegraphs and stuff like that, all that was like during that industrial revolution. So you could incorporate all that stuff and that would mean power lines would make sense because they have the telephone lines yeah. and the telegraph lines. And, and that's, stuff. that's why I wanted to have the initial like debris going across the sun and having them freak out a little bit was because I wanted it to be like they were trying to prepare, you know, and people got in the way of that. So it, it, I just like having it to where it wasn't like Nightfall just kind of showed up. I wanted it to be like, oh, we haven't achieved. We have a thing to work toward. We can do this. And then, you know, humans being humans get in the way of that. Of course. And then do they come together? Do they not come together? Which is a very human question. And and I think that's one of the reasons why I dislike this movie so much because it's once you read the novella and you understand the principles of the fear, the of the, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what human human nature plays a very big part in this, like who we are as people at this time period in our lives. This is right. This was you know the beginnings of World War II in the story time period where it was written, you know. And that fear of the unknown, this brave new world type thing. So I think your story talks about the unknown. Uh, the novella, which is what I would would want to expand on, just because I'd like to see the novella adapted. And I said, and I said that in the review too. I would like to see someone take the actual source material and expand it. And that was my idea. And I haven't read the novel. And I don't know if I ever want to read the novel because the novel, even the novel makes changes. I'm like, just adapt his piece, like, or adapt it. Cause even if you change certain things, as long as you, you can respect a big adaptate adaptation change. If it, if it still explores the same themes mm-hmm. and yours, and yours definitely explores the same themes and would be a, a fitting tribute to the story. And it's in where mine's more of just an expansion of the story. And I probably should have been a little bit more imaginative, but I really just take it. We had, we had both (laughs) different spins on it. Don't, don't be like, yours is cooler. Dude. It it is pretty cool. I actually (laughs) like it. It, I do like that. We, I do like that. We both want like limited technology because I think it plays an important role into the story because they have to have at least some technology to see what's going on in the sky. And they had telescopes where they could look, they had good telescopes back in the the turn of the the 20th century. Not maybe not these huge observatories like what's in the novella, but they still could see the stars and stuff. Yeah. And And centuries of people doing it. So it's like there's centuries of research that you can look up and like, that's why I wanted to have like all of that where it was like the doomsday cult is mentioned 
a cyclical type thing where the doomsday cult kind of happens organically and it, yeah and because people just kind of freak out and go how do we deal with this and part of it is to just get the person who, like because i mean atten and sore in my version are both like not afraid of what's coming they're just people but they're doing it in different ways and each of them had people like flocking to them because they didn't know what to do and that was the whole thing and see i think that actually works i think that works a little bit better than what i was thinking because in the novella the cultists and this could be just maybe isaac asimov's personal fate I, I i didn't research him as a person looking into this because i just wanted to look at the story itself yeah does that make because yeah about you it. didn't want to put too much emphasis on yeah, who it, he was and change the story based on that yeah yeah because so many people do that when they they look back on things it's like why is this red what does this mean well maybe the author just wanted it to be fucking red you know it yeah. doesn't have to it doesn't have to have this like deep inner meaning yeah. not and everything think- has a meaning sometimes it's just oh that guy's name was weird uh they all yeah. have numbers in their names for reasons, but yeah, it's and it's you know they 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 unlike us don't have surnames; they just have numbers. Okay, sure. Yeah, and I even thought about that. Like, what if every observer is an Aton, and in in the novella, and that's why there's numbers. Maybe this is the fifth oh, sword like to it's... be leader. Yeah, and. And and that's just speculation on my part, but and that's just looking at it through a modern lens of the 21st century. But you know, for all we know, he just did this to make it sound alien, and that could very well be the case. Or he just wanted to he wanted to show they're human, but not but quite different human as far yeah. as certain, but different. And we don't know that, you know, we would, we would have to, I would have to dig into his like personal life and what's, what's, you know, on the web and maybe read interviews of his. And I didn't want that to spoil the novella, the story. And I think, cause I think sometimes if we over and I like, if we over research the author, then maybe we're going to poison our opinion a little bit. It's kind of like, yeah. It's kind of like, and I don't think about too much into it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of like it's kind of like the the book Ender's Game, and I only say this because I actually found a copy today and I picked that up in its sequel because I love Ender's Game, I love Ender's Game as a book, but if I delve in too much to Orson Scott Card, then I'm probably not going to enjoy the yeah. book that he you gave. Go, oh, this book's shit. Totally sucks. <laughs> yeah, and and I I can appreciate the art without praising the artist. You know, mm-hmm. or I could, and and I'm not saying, and because then you then you, your opinion of Orson Scott Card as a person starts affecting how you feel about the book, and the book is really good, and that that just means he's a talented writer. Um, yeah. You know, he's a good art, and I'm not going to trash a book because the author is tr- trash, and so I don't want that to influence my perception of the art. And I think Nightfall is a good study of our claustrophobic, our fears, uh, religion versus science, and because those are the big themes. I think both our stories 
incorporate those themes very well. And I like, I like how, I like how yours is using it to develop innovations to try to bring the people together. I think that's a really good concept. And I think that's something that's missing from my version and from the novella itself, like, because they, the novella focuses a lot on just the fear and mm -hmm. they, even though they do mention, are people going to be unafraid? Well, and then they say, yeah, the young, the mental retarded and the really elderly. And I, and it's like, well, that's, kind of weird that all of them would just not be afraid and there's got to be a point where like because i don't know how long you plan your adaptation if you planned how long the nightfall was going to last the movie is really ambiguous that it's going to last for a long time whereas the novella states that the eclipse of beta is only like a day and a half so that means if beta is like only a day and a half, that means, or a day or whatever it said. It, Literally, it, I planned it out for roughly 12 hours. So so it's only going to be dark for 12 hours. Yeah. It's enough to, be, to get people freaking out and, and enough to make those stakes last, but not enough to where it seemed like, like it was forever, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a mistake the movie makes because even the novella says that the 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 eclipse will pass beta. Well, that means beta is going to come back out, and the sun will be out. But does that mean that that in that one day that they're going to be able to destroy the entire city, the entire world, where they have to start from scratch again? I mean, I right. guess if it's million, yeah, and if, I guess if they I think, cause like wildfires, will it destroy the entire city? Uh, what what is the closest city to that one? Are are all of these things happening at all of the cities in the world at the same time? Like who knows? There's a lot of unanswered questions. And and I think I think and I think that's because like and maybe that's the point of the story is the ambiguity ambiguity of the whole thing. Like because the the novella ends with the fires at the edge of the city like the city starting to light up with fire, like they're burning the city. But if it's modern technology, which is the way they describe it, that means that it's, it's brick and mortar and concrete and they have refrigerated trucks and they have steel, they have automobiles. So that shouldn't all burn down unless with each passing eclipse the technology doesn't go completely back to scratch but maybe sets it back a little bit does that make sense yeah where where it's like they have to rebuild every single time and it just like you know because i mean in that story it was like i think every 2049 years and it's definitely yeah. because it's so long in between them. Like history has a way of getting lost, and like it does. By the time the next one rolls around, does is anybody even gonna remember that Nightfall is a thing? Like, yeah, because soon what's gonna happen in between those two Nightfalls is things gonna get even worse. That history gonna go away. 
Uh, is a new history going to be built on top of the old one? There's all sorts of stuff. That's why I thought the whole thing was very interesting. It may not be a very long story, but the bones are there to build a bunch of stuff on top of. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's something that's definitely it's a story worth telling, especially in troubling times. Like to have that that ambiguity and stuff like that. Like, and I think and it and it fits it fits its time period because that's when you know this was this was published shortly before Pearl Harbor, like yeah. a couple months before Pearl Harbor, and then that led to the so. Hitler was already on the march through Europe at this point where the United States wasn't in the war yet, but this is, but that's a lot of fear and unknown, like with the war and maybe, and I know that they were, sorry, had to, so I get for chugging the diet Dr. Pepper while I'm trying to talk. Um, I think I think that's why this idea was such a good one with how would we expand this or how would make it better and that's just because I think the original filmmakers just did such a I don't think I don't think the original screenwriter understood I don't think he understood it I don't think the whole I don't think any of them understood it understood the concepts and the the meaning part of it but that basically like they went oh, these things don't work in a modern context. We should put them further back in time and then went way too far back to where it was like, okay, now they don't have any technology. They're not going to be prepared for any of this. How is this even going to work? And then then they, uh, they create light bulbs. With whatever that glowing rock was, there's yeah, no, they, they never explained magic crystals, and it was like, oh, so so what you're saying is people were afraid of going in a cave, but if they went in the cave, they would have found these glowing crystals, which would have made it easier to see in the dark. Yeah, what? <laughs> and, and if they had those magic crystals, and they had enough of them, then nightfall wouldn't matter then it wouldn't matter and because then they could they could do your idea which they they never got to experience because of the the cultists the religious zealots and they destroyed the power and because that makes sense you create a power station whether it be steam um steam powered or whatever industrial revolution it was most likely it would most likely be a steam powered engine or something or hydroelectricity or something like that right mm-hmm. and yeah i didn't i didn't It would probably no, and that's fine. Steam. I'm just saying it'd probably be steam, <laughs> like... which which would make sense because then you get the boiler the the create the steam, which creates the pressure, which pushes the pins and turns the wheels, generates electricity, blah blah blah, and then they can light up because they don't have to be. It's not like we're. It's not like modern lights in a modern power station. It's not going to illuminate everything like one of those floodlights that makes it look like it's daylight in your backyard. Oh, it's, 100%. And I wanted and, it to give like a single point of like, if you mess this thing up, all of the lights are going down because I wanted, you know, 
a single failure point, not only is it because they've just developed this technology, they don't have like redundancies and all this stuff, but it also felt like from a storytelling standpoint, if like right hand thought he was going to be able to get there and stop them from doing it, like if there was 10 of these, there's no way, but if there's only one, there's a chance. That's, yeah, and I and I get, and I think that's where it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think because I think with the my version of the story, I wanted to do like world building because I wanted to show the way the people are, which would help explain how they act at the end of the movie. You know, at the end of the story, with yeah. the world building of them showing, you got to show Theramon's skepticism. You have to show Sor building his his religious followers yeah. uh, you need to Aton discovering the upcoming darkness and how the school and the city react to it you have to show I would I wanted to show a lot of things minutely like you would show the characters every time you'd show like someone in the city or like walking outside or and just coming into the building because you know their whole thing is everything's wide open so yeah and so anything where they they don't have glass to protect the light, you're going to see, since this darkness is coming, you're going to start seeing them dress warmer because as the suns decrease, the sunlight decreases, the temperatures are going to drop. Exactly. And, and that's so what, I, I wanted to show that too. Yeah. Like the there's, temperature changes. there's all sorts of stuff I didn't talk about that was details like that. But that's also why I wanted both, uh, Aton and Sor, uh, both of them, I wanted to be not villains, but basically, like, they were both doing the right thing for their people, and the only reason they were in opposition to each other was because of the people who were underneath them, because I felt like it was more of the beliefs of the people that were following them. And and that sort of thing, that was the the bad stuff. Because, like, that's why uh, it wasn't Sore that basically directed them to blow up the power station. It was just Sore's people who got the wild hair up their butt to be like, oh, we're not afraid of the dark. We want to make sure those people aren't afraid of the dark. So how do we do that? We make it dark. And I just wanted that to be like, you know, religious zealotry sort of thing. And basically like have it to where basically any sort of belief system could be corrupted if the wrong type of people are believing in it. That's Makes just sense. another layer. <laughs> I guess I should. I, I actually think it's actually probably better that if you make them not both the bad guys. Because then you can tell a balanced story from either side, whereas the novella, which is what I'm expanding on, clearly paints the cultists as villains. The bad guys, yeah. Yeah, and maybe that's not correct. And Well, it's I, your story to the, tell, and you're basing it off the novella. You just want to be as true to the source material and, as yeah, you can be. And I was just trying to be as... 
themes of the source material while updating it to my own sensibilities, which, I mean, we both were trying to do the same thing just in different ways. It's true. And because I want to show how the people react by showing, because this is obviously a, a written media, obviously. And so a lot of things, you know, with film, you have to show things visually. So if you show, like, the people adjusting to having to adjust to colder climates where they're bundling up or maybe starting fires along the streets and trash cans, this, you're foreshadowing, you're foreshadowing them burning the city fires later. Yeah. So you you do little stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Dude, just quick little foreshadowing and basically showing a lot of people to having to do things that they've never done. Bundling up. Having yeah. to build fires for heat. All these little things that are just like them trying to cope in a situation they've never been in. And then... and and having that extrapolate into every single thing they try to do in order to cope with this situation nobody's ever ever just builds up of that. and i think and i think that would fit with the with the themes because the the movie nightfall 1988 i never saw the one in 2000 and if it i never planned to um, yeah, i haven't seen it either so i think the the movie doesn't really explore the fear of the unknown because you have, I think it's still Aton is the, the leader of the, the leader of the people. He's, he's, um, he's optimistic. We're like, we can do this. We can survive. It's not going to bring us down. And then you have the, the religious zealots are kind of like the ones that are, on the opposite end and it's i don't think it's really like that but that's not really the balance even in the novella i think i think the 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 religious side of the novella shows is them coming to terms with the fact that this is their end of the world because they call the book the book of revelations which is the last book of the christian bible and and so i think it's them preparing for the end and whether or not Sor Five is really this evil mastermind, or if it's like what you suggested with your theme, where it's people just taking it upon their own in the name of Sor, which either one would work. It's just, which I think that's something that the movie missed because I don't, like I said, I really don't think anyone understood the source material. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Star Trek Nemesis with John Logan. Um, when he wrote that, he's like, I'm a big Trekkie. I love Star Trek. But if you watch the movie, I don't hate Star Trek Nemesis, but it is obviously the weakest of all the next-gen films. And But you could look at, he didn't understand really the characters. Like, he didn't understand really. Yeah. He didn't understand it. And, and so, understand like, And just didn't, but then you, as a fan, you grow up and watching these characters for at you know seven years on TV. Then the two, the the previous three movies, generations, first contact and insurrection, 
it's like you can say what you want, but Jonathan Frakes, at least when he directed First Contact and Generations, he understood they understood the character. He understood the characters. He, you know, he worked with these people for years. But then John Logan writes his script, but I didn't think he really understood the characters all that well. Maybe a little bit on a surface level, but not to the point where he can make an engrossing movie because all they did was rehash Wrath of Khan. Yeah. And and which you know whatever and i feel like this is what the people who did 1988 nightfall kind of fell in that same group they just maybe had this basic understanding of this of fear of the night but they didn't really understand all the things that was was tackling and all the the claustrophobic because you never get that claustrophobic fear and I think if you expand the novella or if you do your idea, I think that claustrophobic and closing in feeling, I think both those are there. And that's something that's very important because if you read the novella, they, they talk about that quite a bit. Like Sharon, the, the psychologist, he, he talks about that. And he even makes the theremon go through darkness and he, he starts to freak out because he's he's never experienced dark and he experiences for the first time and he gets scared oh yeah and and they all everyone describes it as the walls closing in yeah because i mean when you when you're in pitch black and you don't know where anything is like you could be in a full room and know where everything in that room you can't see anything and if you don't have like an exact memory of the way everything was before you before the lights went out you're just feeling around and hoping that you make it out so exactly it's like it's when i'm in my bedroom at night and i have all the lights off and i'm trying to see to get to the bed my side of the bed i'm like i'm still unsure and i know that path i've walked you know i walk it every night yeah you still crack and, your shin on the bed. <laughs> yeah, you still trip over the bed leg. You hit the bed. You almost step on a cat, or in your case, a dog, and you know, or whatever. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, bump a dresser or something. You know, so it that fear is very much real and it's very much there. And I think, I think that's why something like this. I think it's an, it's a good story, and I think it's one that's worth people knowing because a lot of people don't really know about this story and i think it's something i think it's a cool a cool story that should be told whether it's yeah you know done right right, done right so whether you reinterpret it or you expand it and maybe i should read the novel and see how much they changed and how much they kept in and if this new writer understood the um the source material. Cause I, I'll be honest with you. I looked up a lot of this stuff, like who wrote it and directed the movie in 88. But like I said, this was, this video, this, this, this podcast was mostly focused on like what we would make better. And I didn't want to like make it a complete rehash of the original nightfall, but you yeah. have to talk about that. But I didn't want to like, Oh, it was directed by blah, 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 written by blah, blah, blah. I just, you know, it's a Roger Corman film. Um, it's low budget. I don't think it understood the source material. And I think for what we're discussing, I think that's really all that needs to be said. Yeah. 
I don't know. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this? No, I think we pretty much covered everything there is to cover. I think we covered. All right. So I was going to start the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen thing this this time, um, but without Justin, I just I'll wait. I I keep I hate keep putting it off, but it also allows us more time to flesh out our ideas and make them better. But I will tease mine a little bit since I was going to go first. Uh, mine's going to involve Kit, Michael Knight, Dukes of Hazard, and Jessica Fletcher as my team. <laughs> That's my base. And, and it's going to be the Duke boys and Daisy because I have to – Daisy has to be in there. And um, actually, you know what? I'll just go ahead with mine. I can always reiterate this later with Justin with us, but I'll give you my basics. Um, and then when we, we're all together, I can, I'll flesh it out and let you all hear more of it. So the basic basic is um, Jessica Fletcher with a guy, uh, a person of her editor – with her editor. And mine's all based on 80s TV shows. So all mm-hmm. three of these fall in that category. So because I originally wanted to put the A team in it, and I'm like, nah, then it's just too big. So let's keep it tight. I'm going to keep mine tight. So um, and like I said, when we're all three together again, I'll recap mine so like Justin can comment on it as well when we do the next one. But basically, uh, Jessica's coming through Hazard County to do a to get to wherever she's getting and she's driving by car for whatever reason, plane malfunction, blah, blah, blah. Her editor sent a, someone to take her via car. Cause Jessica doesn't drive. So she gets pulled over by Roscoe P Coltrane. They get pulled over and, you know, and Dukes of Hazzard is very famous for having speed traps. So in the later seasons, they would have country music stars on the show and it would be, they got caught in a speed trap by Roscoe and have to go perform at the boar's head. And so this is Roscoe pulls it, pulls him over and he realizes that Jessica Fletcher's in the passenger seat. Thus knowing who she is from her mystery novels, he says for her to work off her speeding ticket, she'll have to do a book signing at the boar's head. Well, this is what gets her into the story. So she's at the boar's head doing a book signing impromptu book signing. So the Daisy, the Duke boys, not so much, but Daisy's a big, huge fan of Jessica Fletcher. And so she just wants to get her, copy of the dance the corpse danced at midnight which is the name of her first book and she wants to get it autographed by jessica fletcher so the duke boys and daisy are all at the boar's head to get this done but while jessica's like there uh she overhears someone talking to boss hog about moving um sensitive computer equipment and very valuable technology well it turns out that that's garth knight garth knight is trying to use Hazard County because it's this hole in the wall place in Georgia to rebuild car. He, he survived, he survived and he's rebuilding car. And for those who don't know, car is the evil kit car stands for night automated roving robot. He was in two episodes of Knight Rider. He was in trust. Don't rust and kit versus car. He was destroyed at the end of kit versus car but he's just left out in the will uh, out in this open field. Someone could have come along and grabbed his stuff. Garth did that. He got his hands on it because he's very rich. So Devin and the, the, the foundation for long government find, get this tip about all this technology coming through this part of Georgia. So they don't know it's Garth. So they send Michael Knight and Kit to investigate and, 
because all this technology keeps going missing. So that's how Kit and Michael Knight end up in Hazard County. And so the Duke boys, Jessica and Kit and Michael Knight have to take down Boss Hogg, Roscoe and Garth from rebuilding car because Boss Hogg and Roscoe, you know, they're bad guys, but they're not like, you know, they're not killers or anything. You know, they just want the money. Yeah, they're just corrupt. They're just corrupt. They're not, they're, they're not like, say, say what you want about the Dukes Hazard. Like, they're not, they, they weren't racist. They weren't anything. They just wanted money. They weren't going to kill you. They, you know, they, they wanted the Duke boys to be in jail and they wanted to, because they kept following their plans. They just wanted to be corrupt to make money. So Garth is like trying to, take care of this stuff. So that's why they all have to come together to stop Garth from rebuilding car and wrecking havoc and seeking revenge against flag. So that's my basic so far. So I don't know. What do you think of that? Oh, you're not going to be ready for mine, <laughs> but I'm hoping to flesh it out and stuff. So I can't, uh, so do you, what do you think of that so far? The, the basic premise, uh, it's nice, and I like the fact that there's, like, a narrative for why everybody's going to be there. Uh, I'm actually working on the through line for the narrative of mine. I basically have my entire team, and I have my villain. Just getting them all together is the part that, like, I'm working on right now. I'm trying to think of something else to add to it, like, whether or not, like the rebuilding of cars going to be like another version of Goliath from the, the two parter from second season, or if it's actually just rebuilding car, but that part I'm still sh- working on. Like I said, once we all get together again, I will flesh it back. I'll replace, you know, re- reiterate it. And then that way we, everyone can comment on it. You're, and then you're going to end up doing one of those weird things where, uh, Kit ends up with the matrix of leadership from the Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, technically that was an 80s TV show. I could have I could have had it where the Transformers <laughs> Kit became a Transformer. <laughs> but I did live action. I didn't even think about that cuz technically GI Joe and Transformers at least in the Marvel comics, they're in the same universe, even the cartoon people don't believe me when I tell them this. I go in the third season of Transformers, Cobra commanders in an episode. Yeah. Dude, you never see his face. Aren't the GoBots and Transformers even in the same universe? No, that was something I was doing for that, the podcast that you did. And that's be- but with that being said, both those toy lines are now owned by Hasbro. So they could exist in the same universe now. Yeah. Because I know they're doing the Mattel cinematic universe. They could probably do the Hasbro cinematic universe. Yeah, if Hasbro did that, they would... Because I think... Do they own G.I. Joe now, too? The the toy line? I don't know. I have to look into that. I'm sure they do. They probably... Hasbro owns everything. But they own most of... I know know G.I. Joe is not Mattel. But so it must... Let's look that up real quick, because they could technically do that. Like, because there, there's talk that the next Transformers movie is going to be GI Joe and Transformers. Hmm. Dude, 
Uh, oh, unrelated. Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro. Hasbro owns them all. So yeah, they yeah, could uh, go about GI Joe and Transformers. Yeah, unrelated, but they made a tabletop RPG that's a crossover between GI Joe Transformers and the Power Rangers. <laughs> I like and it. And if, and if I was probably going to buy it. <laughs> nice. I did. I did buy something today while thrifting, and I think it's a movie we need to do. Um, I bought the DVD of Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. (laughs) It was a dollar. It was a dollar. I know we're doing all this now. We should we should really end the podcast and continue this conversation. We're still recording. We are. Okay, so, so we we got off on our transit our transit our my I can't talk tangent um about crossovers and beginning of the this the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen for us. So we're gonna end the, the podcast here and so for Steven, I'm Joseph. We're gonna wish you a good night. This will be live this coming Monday, uh December. We're gonna pick from three or four Christmas movies and it's gonna be a random pick. And we're going to discuss one of those. So um, I don't know it all four yet. I think I got three of them. I think I might add Steven's fourth suggestion and we'll, whichever one wins the most votes. Maybe we'll do like head to head one versus the other. And then those two winners will go against each other. So we, we'll do that. We can throw it up on our TikTok channel and have our viewers vote on it. We could do that too. So next month is going to be a Christmas movie. And then we'll be back to like our regular rotation, which I believe will be your pick because, uh, uh, yeah, because I did the stuff. Justin did Blind Fury. Blind, blind, yeah, blind Fury. I keep, I keep wanting to call it the wrong thing. And so I think the next one is yours, is your pick. Nice. So we'll be back in January with Steven's Choice. So we'll catch really you on your one. You're going to have to make it weird. But yeah. we'll catch you on next time. So y'all have a good night. Thank you. All right.